0: Well, hello there. We have officially wrapped season two of the Reality Escape Pod, but we're leaving you with a little parting gift while we work on the next season. This is one of our many bonus episodes. There's one for each episode we have put out, and we're giving you this one for free. It's something that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. This time we were joined by Anne and Chris Lukman from CU Adventures. Sometimes the guest joins us for the bonus, and we just have a more casual conversation. It's a good time. I hope that you enjoy it. And consider backing us on Patreon. We really, truly appreciate the financial support from our listeners. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the season one, episode four after show. We just interviewed Ann and Chris Lukeman from CU Adventures through Time and Space. And um, they're here again. We're just going to have a more casual conversation with them. So, welcome again.
1: Hey, we never skip an after party.
2: Thanks for giving us a chance <laughs> to redeem ourselves.
1: We were, chatting, <laughs> we
3: were chatting so much after the show, and I'm like, why isn't this just part of our post-show recap? So here they are. We are still hanging out and chatting and talking escape rooms.
1: It's so much yeah. fun to be talking to people, like people who are different. It feels like almost normal that I'm talking to people who are not the same five people I talk to all the time.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting challenge these days.
3: That's what's been fun about doing this podcast. Oh,
0: it is. It's been wonderful.
3: I mean, well, the thing is, like, David and I always sit and talk about this all the time anyway, so that's partly why we decided to just turn it into a podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it definitely. But yeah, now we now we can, you know, browbeat other people into
2: having conversations with us. (laughs) Well, and at least for us, this isn't work. We've got plenty of meetings scheduled this week, but
1: yeah, this is fun.
2: Yeah, that's a whole other thing.
1: Hooray.
2: (laughs) Well, so happy to have you.
3: I can't wait to have you guys come back when we can do our um solve the shirt party. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. yeah. Spoiler show. That'll be fun. The spoiler show. Is that is that what we should call it? Uh the spoiler show?
3: I feel like we need a name for this segment. Like, you know what's interesting. So I we had brought up the idea of this when we had done um So I don't know if you guys know. Also, I guess this is kind of good advertising for it. Uh, David and I are also doing a monthly show for Indiecade, uh, where it's a Twitch, yeah, yeah, it's a Twitch stream. And again, it's kind of more the same. It's just us talking about escape rooms or whatever. Uh, Maybe we'll do some playthroughs. But I had mentioned that we were gonna, that I had mentioned this idea of kind of doing these, you know, these games together, and then being able to talk with spoilers. It, about it and someone goes oh like a game of the month club and i was like i guess that's kind of what it's like like <laughs> I didn't
1: yeah, it's think kind of, of like a way. book club right like yeah y'all read the book and then you talk about it but yeah yeah because uh, we were trying to figure out how, what level of spoilers
3: do we give well you see some
2: like vestiges of that uh in some of the facebook groups like there's a there's a puzzle people facebook group which is awesome good vibes good energy i highly recommend if you're interested and like there's kind of such a combative attitude about spoilers, which I totally get. Um, right.
1: Because you don't want to accidentally see a spoiler.
2: Right. But you get kind of into the weeds and some of the threads.
1: And, you know, people like talking about how yeah. they experience the, it. The Escape Room Discord has uh, some of that too uh, with spoiler tags, which has been, been it's nice. It's so
3: difficult. You know, this is one of the things about this industry and community where it gets hard because it's not like with movies or books where everybody's read it. You can just analyze it, talk about it, discuss it in detail and in-depth because we don't want to ruin it for people. So it's like, how do we get around that and still be able to have meaningful discussions about what made something great?
0: Yeah. The spoiler thing, and I've talked about this a lot. We may have talked about it before. Like the spoiler thing is such a weird challenge because we've thought about it a lot over the 1800 plus posts we've put up on Room Escape Artist where we, you know, our unofficial slogan is no one says nothing in 500 words like we do. Um, But um, it's it's really it's really hard um, to find the language to talk about this stuff and to make the reviews feel like they stand alone. And some of them just don't. Some of them, you know, I think if you could swap the titles on some, you know, I I, you know, they might not read that differently, Um, especially what we call like very average games, like games that aren't there's nothing really wrong with them there's nothing really right with them either they're they're fine like if it's your first game you're probably going to have a good time but if it's your 500th game it's not interesting at all and it's one of these things where it's like you know what i almost wish this was terrible cuz at least terrible would be memorable
3: yeah i mean that's why like you know with me so i've lately been wanting to really do puzzle streams and it's such a hard thing. You know, puzzles are one thing, like a, doing a puzzle hunt is, I feel like, kind of okay. And that's really fun. It's like solving a crossword puzzle online. It's long. I'm not going to get through the entire thing on stream or if it does, it's very slow. Um, you know, I think it's harder with escape rooms because most people, they only have a few products, right? It's not like where these there's a crossword puzzle every week. So it's not a big deal if you spoil one or two of them, you know? And like, mm. like say, with like your shirts, where it's, you only have the one shirt, uh, you know? And it's it's like... There's a cool exposure. Maybe people who would never have heard of it otherwise, or never even think that this could be a fun thing to do, and they watch someone playing it, and it's fun, you know. And then, but it's like also, but then it's spoiled. Like, what's you got to try to balance those two things? It's weird.
2: We uh, we've always been like pretty contentious about spoilers but i think we're we're easing up on that a lot yeah like, when we
1: first opened we were really no passionate about no photos in the rooms and you know we want everything mm-hmm. to be a surprise but uh i mean we quickly found out that like i mean fo- we should have photos of the room yeah
2: especially when your rooms yeah. look
1: better when your rooms look really good you should show them off 85 percent of the rooms out there like right and that's of the rooms out there, that's
0: probably. really it it's, it's a selling feature at that point
1: right but but so you know we but we still don't want people to like live stream our games because we we want to protect the experience so i don't know i think it's different with escape rooms versus books or movies because i mean as you said usually the book or movie comes out and everyone has access to it whereas the escape room is you know location dependent you know it might be up for three to five years and people are going to play it during that but also the the puzzles are such an important part of how you're interacting with it and a spoiler in a puzzle is different than a spoiler in a plot point a spoiler in a puzzle affects really how you engage with it
0: mm-hmm. yeah. i agree I, and i know that like the thing that i, I the thing that worries me in an escape room is that like and, and i've i've talked about this in so many places but like if like lisa likes spoilers lisa prefers spoilers um in in media um, in, in, in movies and TV, uh, it just gives her a sense of comfort to un- like to understand where where is this road going? Um, and I don't. But like, it's totally fine for her to um, to, you know, read a spoiler. We can both sit down next to each other, watch, and she gets the experience she wants. I get the experience I want. And it does. And, 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 and it's not adversely impacting either one of us. But like, if one of us were to go into a room knowing the solution to, you know, a, a key puzzle, especially one that might break sequence, um, then we could totally disrupt this game.
2: Yeah, I, I love. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I love no, that no, no, idea no. of cognitive. I, I've read somebody else was talking about it recently. Cognitive load when it comes to spoilers, where it's just so much of a weight off your shoulders if that's the way you prefer the media to not. Stress about it, and right? More like the websites
1: journey. like uh, "Does the dog die?" and stuff like that. Yeah. Like if if yeah. that's something that's really going to throw you off, not having to worry about that actually lets you enjoy the film. But Wait, you know, like is, you said,
3: is that so? That's a website that lets you know if if the dog, if dies, dog dies
1: in a movie in yeah. a movie. <laughs> i was like what? not in an escape room <laughs> not in an escape room yeah there are no dogs killed in our escape rooms that's a hard yeah. rule yeah wait actually, i don't that think i gonna lie i think there's already a dead dog in yeah our... is that the alternate yeah. ending
2: of that doggy daycare game i've read about um... <laughs>
0: oh um, oh, um do- uh doggy dog
2: world yeah doggy dog world that's the one
0: yeah that one that one did not have uh any no dogs were harmed in the uh, in the creation of that game <laughs> that game is gone so i actually feel kind of okay spoiling it
3: i'm so bummed like that 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 level games is closed i, know. I hope I hope, I hope they'll become reborn like the phoenix me too
0: <laughs> me too but but it, it, i believe doggy dog world is like totally gone so i don't know I, can an I escape room like can... ever
1: truly be gone
0: yeah <laughs> yes the 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 premise behind that game was that you and your Friends are all dogs, and the your nemesis, the mailman, has stolen your favorite red ball. I love it, and you want it back. And that is the entire, like that's that's the entire premise of the game. The entire, the entire, the only conceit of the game is that you are all dogs, and you badly want this ball. Um, I love
1: it so much. Such like honey heist vibes. I love, yeah. like like role playing so as more animals. Courage
2: than I have as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Like it's. It's so it's just so
0: clever, and everything is oversized, and they they do a forced perspective thing. So like you know, things things look you know things look bigger, um, and and it's just got all of these very doggy things. Like there's a doggy door, there's a dog house. There you're digging up bones at one you know you're looking for bones at one point, um, and in the end, totally spoiling the end here, um, but in the end. You open up the mail the, like the mailman's truck and he's been stealing balls from all of the dogs. Oh, and so
1: no.
0: you end up with a ball it's a whole ball pit filled with balls and you have to find the one correct yours. one That's um, which, which of course and they tell you up front that, like you know you will know your, you'll know yours because it's because you can smell that it's yours versus someone else's. I am um, so
3: impressed that they managed to write in narrative reason for there being an actual like a ball pit like. I that's, the- <laughs> that's really it,
0: good. It was it was so clever. Um, yeah, I I just I just love that game.
1: <laughs> we love ball pits so much. Oh, speaking of
2: ball pits and spoilers and podcasts, there actually is a podcast that did an actual play of one of our games before we closed it down. Uh Hey Riddle Riddle. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's uh, oh, a I've I've I've, heard listen, it I've, heard listened, it I've heard. listened to a few. Yeah. Of them. yeah. Their Patreon, um, we're we big friends with Adel, who uh is an actor for Hello from the Magic Taverns, a big podcast that yep. he's a part of. Um, they,
0: He's a
1: huge escape room fan, and so we travel. I, I, I,
0: I think we follow each other on Twitter. That's where I know that. That's where I know them from. They
2: they started a comedy improv based riddle podcast, and anyway, they eventually yeah. uh, opened up a, a Patreon. And for one of the early Patreon episodes, they did a, a live record with Lavs audio only of playing through our escape room
1: of playing through the cabin right before we closed yeah, it. So right that's why we, we let him do it. it cause we, we, were, right. we were, we were absolutely yeah. do
2: not care about spoilers. And I'm not sure it makes sense as a game in the audio format,
1: but it, it's very weird for us to listen to. I was doing the audio recording for them cause uh, I'm an AV professional and that's what I do. <laughs> um, and uh, it was a very weird. Cause it's basically like I'm game mastering. Like it's the same thing you hear when you are game mastering, but it's professional improvisers, so they're very funny and like, I I just, it's hard for me to differentiate me knowing what the game is like and people who have never played that game listening to it. Um, But there is a ball pit and Adel did get stuck in it and it was (sighs) the funniest thing that has ever happened on that show. There is fan art of it because people love it so much.
2: Because nobody noticed he was gone and he was going to surprise them. But right. they so continued to had, not notice he was gone. They all
1: had separate love. So he got in the ball pit because I think he was going to surprise everybody. And so he was whispering and into his love uh, that he was going to pop out and surprise everybody. Uh, What's so- a love? Is that a mic? Oh, the, is that what you- yeah, the love mic. Yeah. Lavalier. Okay. Lavalier. Uh, yeah, little sorry. Lavalier, <laughs> a little clip a little on, on mics. mics. Sorry. Shop talk. Um, <laughs> oh, you probably
2: saw a bunch of uh, like... Uh, PA's doing doing all of this. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. For your Survivor stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I could hear what was happening, but the other two people who were playing the game did not hear what was happening. <laughs> so they just kept playing like they didn't even know. It was I, uh, great.
2: I went in to take promotional photos like while they were playing, just so they'd have some and we'd have some. And uh, they were trying too hard to be like entertaining and funny. And they were succeeding at the cost of being good at the game at all so I kept on like moving things that they had put away out of the way up to the front of a counter (laughs) without them seeing like and and they found it on their own
1: it's really and and actually PG you probably have a, a lot of insight on this it's so hard to be entertaining while trying to play a game
3: oh my god like well you know so I just was on um escape this podcast And David's been on it also. So, like, the first time I did it, I was so nervous because I didn't realize how much they would edit out. But I'm sitting here thinking this whole time, I need to, like, talk and try to be entertaining while playing this and keep going. I wrote zero notes. Like, and my notes were all, like, misspelled and, like, so sparse. And that particular room that I played to, it was like, you needed to have everything spelled correctly you know and all oh, this no. stuff and we like it was just the hardest i was sweating i was like nervous
1: my face was beet red because i was like i don't get it and they were like did you double check the spellings and like <laughs> <laughs> i was so- just on an rpg stream yesterday and it was the first time i've done that and it's uh, I- performing For an audience is such a different skill set than being good at playing a game and to the people who do that are are just masters and i'm so always so impressed by it
0: lisa and i before we first appeared on escape this podcast listened to every episode that they had had up to that point we split it so we we both listened to half of them and we took notes and compared and we came down to two rules that we needed to follow to be what we what we would deem successful guests on this podcast one was we needed to play well, and the other was we needed to be funny. Um,
1: How do you do both at the same time?
0: <laughs> it was it was really hard. The funny thing is, I think we did a better job of that the first time we were on than I think th- than the second time. Um, they're I feel really like, good at the like,
3: editing too, though. Like they will kind of they're, sometimes they're, hint you, and if you get stuck, and then they won't put it in the podcast so you seem really smart <laughs> that's, that's so <laughs> love <great>. it
0: <laughs> yeah that's 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 the big brain editing right there. yeah
3: i was listening to this and i was like whoa i sound like i actually kind of knew what i was doing <laughs> the whole time i was like huh like
1: adam what do we do now like <laughs> david will you edit uh the podcast we just did to make us sound really smart
0: yeah yeah you're gonna sound you can sound like geniuses yes because right, <laughs> <'cause> you are <laughs> um yeah it's 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 um one of the things that you, and you were just kind of touching on this and this is something that I've been reflecting on a lot recently, but I had been aware of it for a while, is that to in some cases some of these escape rooms close, and the only evidence that it existed is a review that we wrote, um, which is like a really weird thing to be thinking about, um, and we. I've been thinking about it more in the context of a um, there's a company uh, in um, in Michigan that is this closing called Clock and Lock, and uh, the owner is a woman named uh, Paula Norder, and we've met her at conferences over the years, many many times. We've you know we've just you know we've 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 gotten to know her, and then when we were out in Detroit last uh, this year and a half, two years ago, um, she she and her husband drove out, played a bunch of games with us for a day. And, um, you know, she had really wanted us to come out and play her games and we figured one day we would, uh, and they're closing. And so she sent us a message saying like, Hey, can I, like, I don't have any avatar games. I don't think I can do an avatar. Well, uh, my, my games are closing. Can I get on the phone with you for like an hour and a half, two hours, and just like give you a tour of all of the rooms I had? And so I'm working on a piece right now, kind of about the experience of, of being shown through a room that I'm never going to get to play. It's had me thinking so much about like these games, you know, a lot of the games we've reviewed over the years are gone. You know there's no video record of them there's you know in some cases you know they're the only photos that exist of them are the photos that i took when we played
3: they need to get put into this house of the house on the rock i feel like that is the final resting place of where escape rooms that's where belong. escape
1: rooms go to die
3: exactly
0: <laughs> yeah it's something i've been thinking a lot about it and, and we were we were so we were very conscious of it It's you know we we at we, least and i talked about it years ago like one day a good portion of our content is just going to be like in memoriam. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have any like deep insights into it. Just it's, this is, this is the thing that I've been, I've been thinking well, a lot the, about.
1: There's a, buy- a transience to, to mm-hmm. escape rooms in the same way that there is to theater. And that was one of the things that was very strange when we switched from film to escape rooms. Film is great because once you make it, it's there forever and it always exists. Um, and so there's, there's a kind of power to that, that like you have something to show for all the work that you did. Um, mm-hmm. and what's beautiful about theater is that it only happens that way that one time. And so the fact that it's gone and only the audience that was there that night got that experience, that's what's special about it. Um, and coming to terms with, with where escape rooms fall and that was something we did because I mean, it is every single game is different. Um, and it's not like we're recording them or anything. So they're, once it's there, that's it. You have the experience. Okay. You have the memories of it. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be... That's something that we think about in the design. Like, how, how are people going to remember this forever? You know, it, when kids play this game, we want it to be a formative experience in this kid's life.
2: Yeah, we've had kids come back uh, literally like a year after they'd last visited us asking about plot points from a game that they had played. And they're like, so when we... When we killed the dragon, was that because we had the sword or was that the cri- and you could just tell that it had just been a whole <laughs> This thing. kid has been
1: thinking about yeah. it for the past oh, 12 months. So good. Um and that is so yeah. So good.
0: That's incredible.
3: <laughs> I mean, what what is it that you think for you personally, what is what makes an escape room memorable? Is it like a big reveal, a big aha moment, is it because the set is so gorgeous? Like usually what do you think it is that creates that that one lasting memory of like a good room?
1: Mm, something that surprises me yeah i think it, the aha moment is, is
3: yeah,
1: really yeah light. i think i think it can be the aha moment i think it can be a big set reveal i mean i'm never gonna forget cutthroat cabin or cutthroat cavern Yeah, and never yeah. i i fell to my knees at that point at the reveal like i was just i was and and i don't remember a single puzzle from that game but yeah. the reveal is gonna stick with me forever
0: for me it's the it's it's emotional highs and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whether that emotion is surprise or excitement or
1: joy or laughter.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's all over the place, but it's emotional highs and there's a long time. And I, my memory for these things for these games is still really good, but I actually feel like it's atrophied over the last year. Yeah. But when I think back to these games, uh, I, the snapshots that, that jump into my head are, are stuff that like, like It's stuff that like made me stop um, and take in the moment.
3: I remember, I think for mine, it was the first time you opened the back of a closet and suddenly you're in another room. And <laughs> that was something that I'd been obsessed with since I was a kid. Narnia, like, the secret... David knows, I talk about this all the time. Like, I want to walk down a dark alleyway someday and see, like, the glowing door <laughs> with the runes. And I want to go... Like I will always go in and see what is happening behind that glowing door. Uh, so the first time that ever happened in a room, that was really what, what hooked me. I think
0: my, my, my first escape room trap door was, I, I I can tell you exactly what it was and where it was. Um, it was my second game. It was in Budapest and it was at a company called claustrophilia and, um, there was a lot of stuff that was really weird about this game. The first thing was when you go in, you, you enter into this, um, this building that's like pre-World War I. Um, it's, it's not, and this game's gone. So the the whole company has gone at this point, but they were like an early pioneer in Budapest. You go up flight of stairs and it's, it's this like kind of intimidating, scary old building. Like it feels like you're not supposed to be there and you know, you buzz in and they let you in and you find you know the plaque on the door for the company you open the door and it's just a small room that has a bookshelf and a locked chest and in the middle was like a small little table with a letter on it and a and like and like a thing you have to sign and all like, and the letter just explains that like your uncle died, and if you can figure out the mystery of his whatever, you win his fortune. Typical escape room fare. Tells you to sign this thing and put it into an envelope and slip it into into this little mailbox that's mounted into the bookcase. And so you do that, and then there's nothing. Like there, you just you're just in there. There is some math scrawled on one of the doors, and that's the next thing you have to do. Then progresses like a pretty traditional escape room we get into another room then we get into a third room and that third room is like etched into my brain there was this gate like fencing that was coming from the ceiling down to about six inches off the floor and underneath it was fake turf And beyond that was this like weird, like still life. There was like a floating briefcase that was open and there was a tube coming out of that and going somewhere else. And it was just like this weird thing. And earlier we had opened up this big chest that had um, a golf driver and um, like 200 golf balls. And we're, we're looking around, me and my friend, and we're like, we don't know what to do here. And all of a sudden this like, It's kind of like mousy voice comes over a PA and and just goes, you must golf. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we pick up the golf club and we start hitting balls into this area. We realize that like the back of the turf is sort of ramped up so that you can hit the ball up through the ramp. It lands into the suitcase that's open. The suitcase has the tube. And so it's like the suitcase is like floating in the air and tilted and the tube goes down. Ultimately, you do this, and it turns on a model train that was beyond the still life, and the train drives into one of the previous rooms we were in. Uh, and that train, had, a, I think, had a key to the dresser that was also in the room, and that was the first trapdoor that I went through through a dresser. But this whole sequence just blew me away.
3: Oh, my God. Build it! Build it for your mini-golf! Build it for the mini-golf!
1: <laughs> It's definitely in our wheelhouse for yeah, sure. That is, that is our jam. So good. Yeah,
0: you you must golf was uh, just like, yeah.
3: <laughs> oh my god, that is that is really cool. That's I'm glad you explained that because when you guys when we were talking earlier and you guys were talking about miniature golf which i've not done since a kid and i i think the ones that i did and we're talking back in like the 90s maybe 80s <laughs> uh you know it wasn't that crazy like that is now it was basic mini golf at the, the the most exciting thing was you had to like get it past the windmill you know what i mean like and so yeah. you were and, and when you were saying like it would maybe be some kind of a gamified you you know there would be some type of gamification or like some type of rude goldberg I... <laughs> goldberg yeah yes yeah. like something like that and i'm like that totally makes sense like is that a yeah, thing do they one have of the that
1: things... well you should go to urban Put if you get a chance it's really cool um so each of the holes is designed by in- individually by an artist or an artist collective so each hole is designed to either tell a story or do something interesting it's designed to be functional art one of them is um uh the uh dia de los muertos mexican day of the dead if the, the ball goes on a trip to the underground like and and comes back up it's like a whole story about what the ball does um and of course it has all that amazing art associated with the with the holiday i, think I went the...
3: once because you said they were in san francisco right yeah san francisco
2: yeah, urban put old uh, old funeral home funeral home
3: i think huh. i've been once for like in the it mission
1: was... district i think or, yeah or so like my by. boyfriend's company had an event there um
2: yeah that... it's very
1: trendy yeah so cool. so something like that is definitely what we're thinking. The, the gamification, we really like the idea of having it um, uh, be kind of like an RPG. So each person playing has a class, and uh, <laughs> you can do different things based on your class. So the barbarian can, like, use an extra powerful putter and, like, the... Uh, you know the caster maybe maybe gets to do two two balls and pick the best and put
2: a shop in the middle of it that's on the other side of where you pick Yeah up so, your can, clubs, you can so you can you can level up and upgrade
1: or... but they've got yeah, to work together completely. using all their right, skills right yeah so to so they have to work, to work together so so you're you're competing against each other because you want to uh, get your bonuses but then at the end there's a 19th hole where you have to work together to defeat a dragon or something Ooh, yes yeah. And
2: you know, if you wanted to ignore all of that and just could, play yeah. mini golf, it would still accommodate that. But uh, yeah, we mm-hmm. wanted
1: to give people an opportunity to play. Yeah, one day, someday, someday. I was just gonna say, I love the rise of like these new
3: types of kind of amusement centers. Like when you mm-hmm. guys were talking about what was that first? What was that first thing that you guys mentioned? Wizard
1: Quest. Wizard Quest. Wizard yeah.
3: Quest. Yeah. That reminded me of like, have you guys heard of um Evermore? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah and- so like in Utah, in we've Utah. been
1: following that a little bit. Yeah, we've been following really? them. Yeah,
3: I like it reminded me of stuff like that, or even I think which I have not been able to go to yet. But what they're doing now in like Nuts Berry Farm or mm-hmm. Disneyland with the the new lands, and they've got like the actors strolling around with quests. Like,
1: oh yeah, absolutely. As soon as we can, we're going to that weird Star Wars hotel, that weird <laughs> weird immersive Star Wars hotel. We are absolutely Wait, doing. What's that. the, that the my...
3: weird Star Wars hotel?
1: So- I oh, don't
2: know how it's changed it's, since it's, the initial. It's in Disney
1: pitch. World in Florida, and the yeah. idea was it's like totally fully immersive. You are a character, um, almost like a cruise where you yeah. stay there the a whole three, time.
2: A three-day, a three-day. Cl- that also I mean it's not a cruise you're just the in the Wars hotel yeah. uh yeah. but
1: you are a character you are in there's different things you can do based on your choices uh I mean it's like it's a Star Wars Westworld I mean it's a Star yeah. Wars Westworld
2: mm-hmm. so it's the hotel it's not like physically out on a boat but you are locked into this hotel right. for three days uh,
1: and it's it's adjacent to story like Star on. Wars land and yeah. so like you dock quote-unquote at Star Wars land once you're done um and yeah, your choices affect uh, things that you can do, and there's probably different activities that you can do as part of it.
2: I'm not sure if they'll chicken out on it or not.
1: Yeah, it's been in development for a long time. It amazing. But, like, I mean, they, they've been building it, so it's definitely oh, a thing. So it's not open yet. It's just... A, it's it's so- not open yet. I think it was supposed to open this year, but who knows? Pandemic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, all the windows would be exterior, star field, like, going by. Fully, fully immersive. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, they give you blue milk.
0: Kind yeah, absolutely.
1: Like... <laughs> I, I mean I think yeah. that this this kind of um activities that were once only for kids are now for adults. Uh, you know, there's there's an understanding that, that adults want to play too, like and that play mm-hmm. is not inherently bad or childish. Yes, that you know,
3: that's that's true that, that is kind of a thing. like with the vi- the video game industry, with people right, yeah, realizing I mean, that think... like, like grown ups wanna play video yeah. games. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean
0: the thing is that like I think society for a lot longer has accepted that play is is something that is acceptable for adults. What has just been it's just been very narrow in narrow definitions in terms of what is acceptable. Like mm-hmm. sports are, you know, have always been the totally acceptable form of play. Um, you know, if you liked baseball as a child, it was totally acceptable for you to like baseball as an adult. It's just there's other forms of it that are have have not been accepted. And I think that just that's broadened quite a bit
2: yeah i grew up in the like the age range of watching it directly go from only nerdy kids touch video games to any degree like to Mm -hmm. oh the cool kids are actually playing a video game it's called halo like yep and and seeing that switch to what it is now like is just crazy right
1: and once everybody was playing them as kids why would we stop playing them as adults? Do you think that part of it is like games like GTA, you know, Grand Theft Auto or Halo
3: that kind of made gaming more cool, right? Like these kind of like cool themes or have we always, they've always had that in gaming.
2: I think just more people had the technology in their homes. Like Mm -hmm. just more people, the technology was there and that just opened the possibility. Well,
1: and in the late 90s and early 2000s, things that once would have been considered nerdy Like fantasy, I mean, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, uh, Star Wars, these things all became very, very mainstream, kind of all at the same time. I remember my senior year in high school when the episode three came out, everyone in my school went to the midnight showing like we were Mm -hmm. all there at the same theater.
0: I think we're about the same age. I, I went through the exact same thing where like growing up playing video games, it was, you know, it was not cool, not cool at all. And I did not care. By high school I was playing Halo and my my it was the one thing that was the common thread between my friends and my brother's friends and my brother is infinitely more cool than I am. Our friend groups merged over Halo and I mean these are people who if if you could not imagine a scenario where all of these people are in the same basement two, three nights a week, four nights a week, enjoying the same thing habitually.
3: For me, it was Goldeneye. Is that, that's, that's pre-Halo, right? Yeah, Yeah. that that is. No, no, I mean, that was,
0: Goldeneye was, Goldeneye start really, I think probably is actually, that was actually, I think the thing that that started probably breaking down that barrier.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. Absolutely. I, I played that in high school a lot with a lot of different people. Yeah, no odd job no hot tub
2: <laughs> slaps only
1: <laughs>
0: the only cowards play I saw a thought job
1: <laughs> but yeah i don't know i think um i don't know oh one of the things we always say is um since we all live in such a especially now digital world where so much of our everyday work play interaction is digital instead of wanting to go to video games for an out for that, now we want tactical stuff or tact- tactile stuff. We we want mm-hmm. to have something real. And I think that's where escape rooms and other kind of gamified real-life uh, immersive experiences come into play because instead of video games being our escape like when we were kids because everything else was in the real world, now we spend so much time digitally when we want an escape from that. We really, really want to have it be A real life experience and And i think that's why escape rooms are so so popular because
2: like physical events like you know the bowling alley the the even like the more modern airsoft that stuff has not caught up to the level that video games have like video games are awesome and now people expect awesome when they go they also
0: have pretty brutal learning curves like bowling right. is not fun until you get good at bowling, and to get good at bowling, you have to be willing to suck at bowling. Um, and airsoft is like physically painful. I was gonna if, say they,
3: yeah. there's a there was a physical requirement to some of these. Even with like yeah. being able to be a good bowler, you have to be able to roll a heavier ball. Not yeah. like me with like mm-hmm. my eight or nine pound balls, where I'm like I can't swing anything heavier. You're not gonna really be getting good hits. So like I do
1: love bowling though because any sport where you can drink, drink. and Eat, uh, eat mozzarella sticks like while you're doing it. This is the second time I've mentioned moat sticks. Am I just like in a mood? Like that's a good sport. That's why I love golf too. Like any sport where like you're encouraged to have a beer while you're playing it. That's my kind of sport.
2: Anne's also pretty good at sports. Yeah. Which
1: helps. I am not. I am not good at sports. I mean, I'm better than
0: the um, the sound. You know, to to the point that you were making about just like the desire for tactile interaction. That's that's one of the things that like we we end up doing a lot of um, conversation with media. Uh, we do a lot of interviews, um, and that's that's the thing I'm constantly explaining. And my soundbite is that like in a, in an era where everything is digital, doing something in real life is bizarrely revolutionary. Good soundbite. Yeah, I, I, I workshop the hell out of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's. It's definitely there. There's something there, but then the other thing that, like, we still find to this day is, um, you know, we encounter, and I'm, I'm, sure you must encounter these people, um, people who insist that they do not like to play. Uh, which is an interesting thing that I don't, I don't totally. I, I it's, it's a mindset I'm trying. I, I'm still trying to understand.
1: So we, one of the best things about running an escape room is that, like. Like video games in the early 2000s, it's just a thing that everybody does. Escape rooms are not a nerdy thing. Escape rooms are just a thing that's done. So Mm -hmm. we see a lot of family groups coming from every walk of life. Uh, We are in, uh, Champaign-Urbana is a kind of, they call it micro-urban. So we have, um, it's a very diverse population. It's a very liberal population with the university. Um, But we are surrounded by, by Illinois rural farmland. And so there are a lot of people from small towns who come in who have a very different life experience than many of, of the people who live here in Champaign. So we see people from all walks of life, many of whom would not go to a theater show, would not go to an art gallery, would not think about interacting with art in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. Come and play an escape room because it's a thing to do. Uh, and they get arted at. We art at them. against <laughs> <our> will. <laughs> they get arted at. I love and that. And that's something that's just, I think, so powerful and so cool. And it always wins them over. The games always win people over.
0: That's been my experience. Is we, especially, and it's been a while at this point since we've had this, but in the early days, we were just. Lisa and I were constantly taking new people with us to escape rooms because we were trying to like get them addicted. We were literally just escape room pushers. We would frequently like invite one of my friends or one of Lisa's friends, and then they would show up with their significant other and the significant other would be super standoffish. We grew to watch for the moment when they cracked and allowed themselves to have some fun. That was always, it's always been a really special thing. Um, And the game ends and they're, they'll, they'll go back to, like, crossing their arms and, like, you know, stern and, you know, but, like, I saw it. It happened.
1: You had fun. It's right. a weird thing because
3: it's almost like traveling or making somebody act or something where it's, like, you you have to kind of think... A little bit outside of the box you have to break maybe your normal pattern of seeing things or seeing things as they are in order to solve these things you know what i mean and so i feel like it is kind of that that small gateway where uh you know when you travel and you experience something through someone else's eyes you're a little open mind a little bit more open-minded and i feel like that kind of happens maybe a little bit with escape rooms too where you you have to question your perception or understanding of what is the reality at least for this you know this 40 minutes
2: and like travel, it gets such a varying group. Like I love it when we get three generations of a family in together. And it's extremely clear that grandma and grandpa are just there because either they wanted to be or the the real matriarch of the family didn't want to exclude them. And by the end mm-hmm. of it, you know, grandma found the book and everybody she she was got her chance to play the hero. <laughs> yeah, for that everybody moment.
1: gets their hero moment and yeah. it's yeah. so special. Uh, yeah, no, watching watching 70-year-old grandparents, like, get won over by this game is so much fun.
2: Or learn that their grandkids are actually smart. Like, oh, yeah. that's also yeah. fun, too.
3: I hear that so many times. A lot of game masters say they will watch the parents tell their kids, that's not, that's not how yeah. you solve it.
1: And you're <laughs> the, like, it's 100% the way you solve something. <laughs> absolutely. The best groups are the ones where, you know, it's multi-generation families everybody is coming from from a different perspective and a different thought process and they all listen to each other even even the kids like when everyone's treated with respect it is mm-hmm. so great um it it's it's it literally brings tears to my eyes when we have groups like that
2: we've had groups of like five nuclear engineering professors play together and i would put a family of four against them and the family would win 9 times out of 10 like hands down, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't, yeah. even, I wouldn't even worry about that. Because they're bet. coming
1: at it from different perspectives. Uh, and, and, yeah, you know, I mean, diversity, that's why diversity is so awesome is because when people are coming from things from different perspectives, they're going to arrive at a better solution because they're going to consider different angles. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's, I, I love, I just love those moments. I, we've Lisa and I have played very few games with our actual families, um, which is weird. Um, Lisa's mom has edited almost every single post that's gone up on Room Escape Artists. She is, um, by a wide margin, I would guess, the most well versed and knowledgeable non-escape room player <laughs> um, in the escape room world. Um, but um, I would say, you know, Lisa and I've played, you know, close to nine hundred games at this point, and we've played fewer than ten with our families. In, in in some total, um, and uh, it's not for a lack of wanting. Uh, we just can't we can't really get them to want to engage, which has been a just a really weird personal challenge.
3: <laughs> that reminds never... me. Oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I've been meaning to kind of try to drag my family to some escape rooms or at least like virtual ones. Uh, you guys have any good recommendations for ones that you think? are really family friendly, like kid friendly, that are virtual.
2: I would, if you're looking for an avatar one, Fuzzy Logic.
1: Fuzzy Logic yeah, is really, Jason really fun good care of you. avatar ones. Yeah, Jason is such a good game master avatar. He just is your immediate friend, and mm-hmm. he's so funny. It's not I did overwhelming play the overwhelming game.
3: I did play the yeah. Villains layer
1: one, and I think uh, they the have- vet,
2: a... The vet office is really good.
1: The vet office was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah.
0: That's that has been our his stuff has been our absolute go to recommendation for for family friendly stuff lately. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't found anything that even cam- comes close to rivaling the approachability and energy that he brings. Yeah, he's he's so talented at that. I hope he's able to at some point find another game master who is able to do what he does, because I, I feel like he's breaking himself doing this. <laughs>
1: i mean when you're when you're an escape room owner like you're and you're in a pandemic you're gonna break yourself somehow might as well be yeah. doing it this doing this way uh, i mean it makes yeah.
0: it makes sense i mean we we're not owners um, we but i have mean,
2: checked I, in for a while though so I yeah hope he's doing yeah we okay. should check <laughs> in with
1: him yeah he's he's not far from uh you know he's maybe two hours from us we've uh we need to go up and play his games in person sometime. That's a Chicago area one we have not hit. Uh, those are really good. Um, we've had families play, you know, Lost Temple and Floor Thirteen, but those are a little spooky.
2: Yeah, and they're a little overwhelming.
1: Yeah, like, it's there's a mm. lot. Yeah, we
2: we get a lot of like since we got on all of the you know the the lists and the the Gold Lock Award, which was amazing, and uh, everything like that. Um, we had a a nice influx of company groups and like family groups that are like, Hey, we want to do your game. Uh, I have some questions about it. And I can tell from the questions that it's not, it's not the game for them. Like they want an avatar based game that there is a host that helps it be a great experience. And our Mm -hmm. games can succeed at those groups. It's just like such a narrow, we didn't design a $10 game to do that. Like,
0: yeah. Games that don't have a host are, you know, they're kind of a canvas. You, you got to make your own fun with that, mm-hmm. though.
1: If you have one person that's really into escape rooms that like knows what they're getting into, then it's going to be mm-hmm. fine because that person is yeah. going to be the de facto leader and they're going to bring everybody else along with it. But yeah, if it's just like, I mean, we had a group of 12 Girl Scouts play The Lost Temple and apparently they had fun, but that had to be some chaotic times. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know though kids kids are used to just being on zoom and interacting with each other now like it's such a normal way of 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 hanging out so maybe the maybe they're going to be better at it (laughs) than our parents generation I mean school and everything I don't know how they're doing it
3: yeah
0: yeah I have a I have a friend who has a child in pre-k and he's like pre-k zoom is the dumbest (laughs) thing I can possibly imagine he was saying he's like I can't, I can't believe like I'm paying for this. I, I should just put her in front of Sesame Street for four hours a day.
3: I mean, the whole point of pre pay <laughs> is purely to socialize the children so that they're just used to yeah. kind of having to play with kids and having to listen to somebody other than their
1: parents, right? Like that's, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to do that. I just love the visual of a four-year-old sitting down to their office chair, putting on their headphones with their like mic on it and being like, all right guys, let's do it. Let me tell you guys. I just a a
0: four-year-old. Can you you hear me? Can you
3: hear me? Oh, God. I mean, (laughs) so like my niece, I have a six-year-old niece, and she started first grade, and my sister set up the fanciest office. For her. She's got a standing desk. And I'm like, why does she need a standing desk? Like a regular desk is a standing desk for her. Okay. She's got <laughs> her is bigger than mine. You know, she's got the whole like black <laughs> behind her. It's fully set up. And her father, who is actually works, he's got like some important government job. Do you know what his office is? It's a milk crate in the garage. Okay. I love it.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it.
3: He's like, Daddy's in his garage right now. I'm like, where's, where is he? He's like, she's like, oh, he's in his office, out in the garage. And I'm like, it's literally a milk crate next to like his weight, his weight He's he's just on his.
0: I have this comedy sketch in my head that I don't have the time to produce, but I badly want to. Which is, like, a thousand years into the future, the phrase, the words. Can you hear me? Has just become a greeting, and nobody—it doesn't have any meaning. It's just a thing that people say when they when 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 they encounter someone, gotta, and no one knows why. You
1: got to abbreviate it somehow, like uh, like yeah. how goodbye was "God be with you." Yeah, you I gotta, did not like, yeah. know that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yep. But yeah, that's this is this is the David and the, I got uh, our
1: history degrees going on here.
0: It's it is true. <laughs>
1: oh man, well.
3: Um, oh, I loved your game that you guys made for Exit, um,
1: exit Stage Left. yeah, Exit Stage Left. Thank you.
3: It was awesome. I thought it was really – so I'll just say really quickly, um, I thought it was so cool how you guys had – if I remember correctly, you guys had the camera on a slider at one point, which really limited your field of vision. And it was just the neatest trick that I saw um, – in like an avatar, well, I can talk about because it, it's not going to be. Is it going to be played again? Yeah, or? you can no, talk no, you about can it. It's fine. It.
1: Cool, spill the beans
0: because I want to know what this but, is. I know
2: nothing.
3: Yeah. Did you
1: not? Did you not play oh, it? Oh, you did didn't play it? it.
2: No, I think you two were busy. That it was only week. a weekend. So, yeah.
1: uh, backstory: um, There's a music festival that happens in CU every year called the Pygmalion Festival. Um, it is just you know a standard music festival. Like uh, lots of big acts come in. They do podcasts. They do innovation tech talks. Uh, they do literature. It's it's a really really cool big event um and it it was all that all digital this year because it had to be of course
2: and they still had some grant money that had to be spent locally so right so they Men,
1: talk to us (laughs) what you got let's do some stuff so they you know they they wanted so it's typically a music festival they're music guys um but at this point in time during the pandemic it, it happened in what september i think it was like all right uh zoom stream of a um, music like a band playing is not interesting, not exciting it's, not, it, it's, not interesting it's not it's not interesting that's not exciting so they wanted to do stuff that was more interactive um and so they, we were like all right well avatar games are a thing we'll figure something out they wanted to make it a free event because uh, it was grant funded
2: which was great. I I love that. That's my favorite corporate event. We will turn down an event where we have to sell tickets. Yeah, like
1: if we have to sell tickets, we won't do it. 9% of the but time. But if it's if it's a free event, we'll 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 do it that, because it's fun. It makes it so out. much
3: sense that you guys had grant money because I remember thinking, this is a really quality game. You know, even though it was only 30 minutes, I was like, this is a really quality game for free. Like I could not believe that this was a free thing and you guys were running so many of them.
1: Yeah, we started a new game every
2: fifteen minutes.
1: Fifteen minutes, and they were twelve yeah. minute
2: half. So ostensibly, it was a half yeah. hour game, um, and we split it between two physical locations. One was a more standard avatar kind of experience with game master wearing a camera, uh, walking around a room. That mm-hmm. we set up in a uh, lobby of a small
1: theater that's so there's, nearby. There's a community theater that's across the street from us. Yeah, uh, and they're awesome, and they've also been closed. And we were like, "Well, also hey, in the grant zone, let's uh, yeah, let's let's set it here. We can, you know, use." your guys's space and you know don't re- have to build rem- a set from we don't scratch. have to build a set we'll remind everyone that the station theater exists and that it's awesome uh we used a lot of headshots from local actors who were with it mm-hmm. so i mean the station community at uh, the, the theater community really enjoyed it
2: and it was based around uh finding a missing violin we were supposed to have a celebrity or like a a musician and artist buy-in that was part of the story so they could promote like it's featuring this artist mm-hmm. but the artist's agent didn't really communicate things to the artist so it ended up just getting slapped on at the end
1: yeah it was and i am not sure if the artist really was like an escape room fan or anything like that so it was like yeah, very i don't know It was we weird. we
2: had enough on it our was plate. Fine. we we took a step back from that end of yeah, it, we, just like, we, okay, yeah we like okay we have a MacGuffin. MacGuffin is to find this stolen violin, and we built a story around two detectives. One was exploring a crime scene. We were able to do an evidence dungeon, the red string mystery wall, like we've always wanted to do, but it just hasn't fit in our themes. Uh, and then once that half of the game is complete, and it's just a 12-minute half, we made a pretty tight puzzle flow along with some shortcuts we could take. for. Yeah, basically oops, you're
1: finding three connections, three things yeah. that will give you uh, code to log into a computer to get to video footage of where the other p- detective is. They were kidnapped.
2: The kidnapped detective, uh, we set up a 35-foot... Open hallway out of uh, kind of theater flats we've used for our um, games at Gen Con. So, like, they Just were, they we were built the warehouse. Mobile. yeah, so we can put up walls real quick. And we did a 30 foot uh, track of PVC that we then mounted a tiny little camera slider on. Um, so instead of Avatar wearing the camera, the Avatar is in frame the entire time.
1: Uh, The Avatar was chained up. uh, The Avatar is chained up.
2: After every puzzle they solve, their chain gets a little bit longer, and they're able to move left to right. With our, oh, the tracking. old trapped in the room
1: with a
0: zombie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so
1: the from from the viewer's point of view, it was basically a side scroller in real yes, life. Yes,
3: yes, it was. Yes. yes, yes, that's exactly what it felt like. Was like a slow side scrolling yeah, video game. Yeah, which was the
1: gimmick. Which was the gimmick we started with, and then worked <laughs> worked everything else around. It was
3: fun. I'd never seen yeah. anything like that before. I thought it was that's really awesome. uno- innovative. Yeah, when really when cool. we get
1: when we get the chance to do like pop up projects like this we always try to use them as kind of experimental space to like let's try one thing that's weird and if we like it we'll do it for other stuff we get
2: very good Mm -hmm. at doing a thing once and then never do it again (laughs) uh but yeah it was it was fun it allowed us to to play in that space it was like completely a benefit of we have this huge warehouse and we cannot justify building games in it right now like you would not have been able to do that anywhere else uh
1: Right, because we just had you know thirty linear square feet where we could set up this thing in,
2: and enough walls to put them up, and we repuzzled into something new that used the medium kind of interestingly, literally
1: with just stuff we had around. I think I spent like fifty dollars on the violin that we yeah. had to buy, and the end of <laughs> list. Everything else was just like, oh, we've got some all the earbuds stuff. for the. Yeah, I guess we had to avid, buy some tech stuff for it, but I mean wirelessly
2: here. It was hear it was
1: power. let's spin around in our warehouse and see what cool yeah. stuff we have. Uh, including a lobster if the pandemic would have been
2: way way tougher on us we probably would have developed the side scroller into a avatar based game which we kept on we have one like half finished that we kept on hitting the brakes on we it just kept didn't yeah make sense we we to... kept
1: i mean the story of the pandemic i think for everyone is is nobody knew what was happening and so we would start on a thing and then we'd have to stop because new information came out and then we would start on a different thing and then we would have to stop. So we have all of these half finished projects from 2020. An avatar game, an outdoor game. Were um, you guys ever thinking things.
3: of doing any avatar games for I'm like mostly because I want to play them. Like now that I've done a few of the stuff that you guys have designed, I'm like, I want to come play <laughs> your games, real life games and I don't know picky. when I can make it out there. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're we're just very picky about um how our games are portrayed. So all of our in-person games are built to be very collaborative. So you need to have multiple hands on multiple things, doing things in different spots. One person's over here. Like We design our games to spread people out one Force person pushes a button. One person sees something <laughs> over there. They have to be spread out and they have to be yelling at each other because that kind of chaos is the energy that we love having in the games—just people screaming and, and doing weird stuff. My
2: goal is to make it impossible for somebody to quarterback our games by yep. like being the first to rush to the corner and do the thing, and then rush to the other corner and do the thing. Right. Like, so if you, if you not... try to
1: do that, something is going to open where you're not. You know, something's yeah. going to happen mm-hmm. where Someone you're not.
2: Someone else is going to get the wow moment, and you'll get a little bit of FOMO. So That's
1: awesome. that does not make <gasps> it translate to an avatar format so any avatar format game we would have to do we would have to build it from scratch okay so that, that has been uh, and we started developing one in march yeah uh, we had one concept that would kind of it use was a haunted escape room, room.
2: <laughs> in three of our games and a custom built space in a fourth but we could only run that if all of our games were closed right like we could not run that at any other point because we were using the lobby we had the lobby wired up to some lights on remote controls like we were getting so close you, enough you to would it.
1: get be getting the intro in the lobby and then the lights would go out i mean they would dim because they wouldn't actually and then you have the to way. help your
2: gm that's a cool concept
1: yeah it you know. was it, it was fine but i mean we, we got to reopen in july and then it, it just wasn't mm-hmm. worth it and we'd had enough I feedback mean, yeah
0: it's probably not a bad idea at this point to even just have the have these backup plans in the hopper because this is you know this has this is a part of our reality now and
3: people are used to it. Yeah, but
0: it, it, if you're not if you're not planning for the next shutdown, if you're if that if you don't have if you're not acknowledging the potential for that, you know, you're you're planning for failure at that point. Yeah,
3: exactly. Is, well, also, it lets you reach a wider audience, like maybe people who can't make it out to come yeah, see you and get been, to like experience your wonderful games.
1: That has been the absolute silver lining of the pandemic is that we have been able to reach a national and an international audience with our digital games. And that's not something we ever thought would be able to happen, you know, kind of in the in the middle of the Midwest. Um it's It's been very, very special and very cool that we've been able to kind of receive this, this kind of attention. For
2: like the past five months, our sales have been split between like 30% locals, 30% everywhere else in the world, 30% just the UK. Like we've had, <laughs> so yeah, the UK, many UK loves orders. our digital
1: games, and I've sent a lot of our shirts to the UK yeah. too, which I was surprised. I was really glad we were able to figure out some kind of international shipping option.
0: Yeah, I I've heard that from a lot of folks that they're uh, who are running various forms of online games. A ton of their of their business is going to the UK, which doesn't surprise me because there is a really well developed um, player culture there. There's 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 a lot of there's just a lot of engagement
3: i'm thrilled that i guess quarantine has brought out the whole all these remote games like I like that's my my favorite part of quarantine is i get to play so many fun
1: games from all over the world now yeah it's been it's been really great for us
2: yeah it's a little bit of the effect like the only reason we ever really met david is because we met you know uh amanda and drew and that crowd and that was from the international convention we went to every year right yeah yeah i mean nobody nobody would have ever heard of
1: us if we hadn't kind of made some of those connections at gen con and so you know this is just kind of just like that
0: yeah i mean and that was that was the thing that like you know amanda and drew say that like tell me there's someone that we should meet like we're like okay we want to meet them Uh, don't don't really care that's 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 enough uh, i'm so glad that we did and we you know we got a, we had a chance to play a whole bunch of really bad games together around st louis it's which was
1: such a special experience to to have that experience with people who get it like you do
0: oh uh, it, it was it was so much fun i mean we had we had a really phenomenal group of people playing a incredibly bad batch of games and
1: but they were so like bad but interesting interesting oh yeah yeah no
0: fun <laughs> like i mean fun Fun bad like i wouldn't
1: like a b-rated were... game <laughs> like like, B- like there were b-rated there movies. were so many interesting choices
0: yeah like to, to me and we don't even need to talk about what but the, the 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 core message here is like there are bad games that are bad because nobody invested in them and then there are bad games that are ludicrously expensive and have a ton of investment in them and are are bad anyway and that is special <laughs> that's
1: my favorite review that i have ever seen on like a yelp or tripadvisor was quote the most beautiful room you'll ever do a sudoku in <laughs> which is just like that's that kind of it's that kind of game and there yeah. are there are fun things to be had in those kind of games there are interesting cool things to learn about those games there are lessons to take and lessons to to not take Uh, But that was was a truly, truly fun time.
0: The funny thing to me is that most of my memories of that day, of that evening, are us and because the people we played with, we ended up going to a restaurant and we ended up all seated in two different spots. So we couldn't recap the games. We couldn't take any notes on any of the games. So we all ended up back at one of the hotels that one of us was staying in, in the lobby and we ended up sitting down in you know sitting down there and talking about these games for hours and everyone was like we got to go to bed and then we just kept talking but my my memory of the, like the conversation that we all had in that in, in that hotel lobby is so much more vivid and um, pleasurable than the games themselves
1: <laughs> i think the best part of that was because the um the actual lobby was so crowded like it was Absolutely yeah. packed. We all got drinks from the bar, and then like wandered off to the convention center part of the lobby, or like we went yeah. in the basement hotel lobby. So it was like our own little subsection of. Yeah,
0: we hotel. ended up in this weird place. We probably weren't supposed to be. Yeah,
1: it was. It was great. Oh, that was such a fun. Oh, that yeah. a Good night. God, I can't. Wait. That was a really fun night. <laughs> I can't wait to be able to do in-person convention. Yeah. Again. I, yeah. I would love to see people in person. That would be. Fun. Yeah,
0: me too. <laughs> yeah. <we're...
3: sighs> Anyway, I better okay. wrap this up because I think I got to yeah. get going a little bit. Um, I just want to say that what I really, really enjoyed about ch- uh, chatting with you guys is I could sense that you guys put a lot of thought behind your entire um, game design process. You know, you can tell that, that you guys think of every little detail and you have a concept of how you you want to do things. Like even when I when I said, "Well, why didn't you guys just do avatar games?" And right away, you knew. You're like, "This is why." It's because in our minds, we want everyone to experience that aha moment. So in order to do that, we implemented these mechanics. And I I think that's really impressive how um how deliberate all of your design seems to be.
1: Thank you. We we definitely don't always succeed in the execution, uh, in the reality of it, but we do try to plan conceptually a lot
0: that's the creative process is like you know it's and to a large extent it's the effort of trying to strive for that when a lot of people aren't and we even feel that as as like bloggers in the space we just like there's stuff that we know we can't ever like we can't always live up to our own highest standards sometimes you know that sometimes there's a review that just isn't as good or a piece we put out that just isn't you know, we, tr- we try and, you know, I, th- I think that's as a play, you know, you know, as a player, as a consumer of these games, like you feel that you can feel the, you, even when things, even when you see the seams, you can feel if someone tried to hide them.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good.
2: Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. You can feel when that that happens also for everybody listening hey it's a pandemic it's okay if you're not at your best yeah i'm giving you permission
0: it's it's true i've been i've been everybody i haven't been at my best in well over a year yeah i don't remember what my (laughs) best is yeah yeah no joke i'm not sure if i saw my best walking down the street that i'd recognize it
1: We, this is like absolutely been our mantra we've just been saying it to each other and to our staff and to everybody it's like it's cool we're, we're gonna get through it I mean Do I never want to
3: put skinny jeans on ever again after
1: yeah. this tell you that yeah. much mm-hmm. <laughs> I am with you
2: yeah,
0: yeah. No, there's, there have been plenty of nights for Lisa that I've been like the to-do list is really long I think we're gonna sit down have some cake and watch some Survivor
2: <laughs> uh. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> This to-do list is very long. Let's throw it in the trash. We did make the yep. list
2: though, so that was something.
3: <laughs> well, I had my my relaxation time was solving your shirt. I'm oh, ready God. for the next one. Uh, I still have to get through the pack that was in the deluxe puzzles, which I did not open until the very end. I almost actually kind of forgot about it because it you know, because when you're solving, there is that whole flow. I opened it up, I saw that. And then I I saw the postcards. And I think it was kind of getting late by then. So I was like, I'll shelve this for now, since it doesn't seem like it it's obviously I, I finished the other game, so I was like, I don't need it to finish it. But um...
1: yeah, one of the hard thing about hard things about the deluxe edition was making it so the regular edition played fine and wouldn't be confusing to people who had didn't have the deluxe edition. So because of that, uh, the deluxe edition can be played during or after completely separately. Either yeah, way is it's fine. something
2: interesting we've been trying to tackle as we think of the next one of these. Um... But it was fun having it, it however they want
1: yep. well it was almost like yeah. an
3: epilogue actually because i always i'm one of those people i always get a little depressed when something really cool is is finished you know like a Same. cool series and I'm like like I, I feel sad and depressed now i want like just a little bit more so it was like a perfect encore so i recommend you guys get the deluxe pack if you're gonna order these shirts
0: <laughs> yeah, the um the other thing i think it's a good and this is kind of a good pro tip at this point is Especially with these at-home games, there's no timer. Like, if you're getting tired, if you're not having fun anymore, like, if you're feeling a little burnt out, put it aside. Finish it tomorrow. It's going to be fine. No one cares. No one cares at all about your time to complete
2: this.
1: We don't even have a timer on our website. Like we do not specific, like we do not want people to time I mean, themselves playing. We've had the game.
2: people take like Lost Temple take them anywhere from like 70 minutes to 6 hours. Like spread which, over a week, which makes it difficult to pitch the game, but the people that told us it took 6 hours said they had fun. They just broke it up into a few nights and
1: chatting
3: you're reading through all the lore i mean this is one of the things that i that drives me crazy i'm like these people spend so much time putting this together there's so many details there's the lore there's the backstory like i like to sit in i I want to savor it all i don't if i only wanted to do puzzles i'll just buy a crossword book or you know like a puzzle book and Mm -hmm. do that you want the experience yeah
0: we we're we're at the point now where like if one of us is is not is not feeling it at this point we're just too tired not in the mood we'll we'll stop with one puzzle left we'll just be like all right we'll, we'll pick it up tomorrow and never regretted that um and that's that's been like a that's been a big a big lesson of the last year for for lisa and i it's just like it's it's okay we'll do it we'll just finish it tomorrow
1: yeah, it's one of the big differences between digital and real live escape rooms. Because obviously, the reason there's a timer in live escape rooms is because we have another booking set yeah, up after it's, you leave. Uh, it's, and, it's a
0: it's a business need, not right, a not yeah. a game need.
1: Right. And so to be able to just be like, here, play these puzzles however you want, uh, has been liberating in a way, but also kind of complicated in a way yeah. because
2: we've. It's been a challenge to like say, like, hey, if we're honestly putting the time on this, I'm gonna put sixty minutes to four hundred and eighty <laughs> minutes to complete. And that makes us look like crazy Idiots. people. Like, <laughs> like we have no idea what our game is and how long it did. But that's what
3: we have, have Yeah. Have you guys like so I feel like I know David and I have talked about this concept before, but like there's people experimenting with save points. So like you just basically buy time to come play a room and then it's almost like a video game
1: they can come back and explore i have seen that yeah yeah i think that for me like for a live in-person game the dealing with designing that that's too many factors it would drive me crazy yeah it would this, have to be something this, huge yeah it would it have to be absolutely com- I mean, it sounds massive. complicated I- i'm just and curious. you would have to have like like different rooms that you could like the, the room breaks would have to be the save points for me. because otherwise I, I don't know how you design that and not have like just crazy uh, re- not red herrings but red herrings everywhere because that's not it's too much information overload. I have yeah I have uh, no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah this this is something um, if you're if you're not a backer on Patreon um, this is something that our Patreon community has been discussing uh, mm-hmm. off and on for a, for a long time and probably will continue to. I love it in theory i'm terrified of it in practice Mm -hmm. um setting aside like whether it's a like fundamentally good business idea or not i'm very afraid of what i will call the arcade effect yeah of um you know early arcade games you know video games in the especially in the 80s and the early 90s were you know have a reputation for being punishingly hard Mm. and it's not that like we were really just you know tough video game players back then, it was like, it. This was, this was just the business reality of the games were originally distributed through coin-based cabinets. And the amount of money that you saw in return on that investment was proportional to how challenging the game was. And so you end up with coin eaters and games that are just designed to be hard and introducing game mechanics that are cheap and not fun, enemies and uh, you know, and projectiles that come off the screen, that you have no chance of dodging, you know, all of that stuff, like these, these early video game cliches don't exist because they were there for good game design. They exist because they were there to facilitate a business need or perceived need, depending upon the game. And, and it was never good for players. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing that concerns me about and and like even in the late you know more more modern era a lot of the arcades that exist today have ripped out those coin slots. You know, you pay for time by the hour. You pay for for slots of time because you're that that just ensures that you're now there to have fun and everyone is, you know, everyone's able to justify the, you know, the, the business is able to justify it. The players are able to go and kind of choose their own adventure i i i get very nervous That's about fair. the I, save state stuff
3: i think the answer that, is just long
1: Is just like a three-hour game then <laughs> i'm like i just want more yeah. content i just want time yeah, yeah. i'm go fascinated to by the idea of telling you know a 10-hour story or or like a video game length like a 40-hour story um but mm-hmm. i don't think I don't think you could expect the player base to come back and, and play all 40 hours. And then, then you have narrative problems of like, mm-hmm. you know, how, how does it affect your ability to tell a story? And how are you making sure that, that each chapter has that kind of narrative arc that you're going to feel good about it when you come out of it, especially if, yeah. if you can't control where the start and stop points are.
0: It's, it's so true. We, we played, there was a game that was more on the immersive theater Larp side in New York called Ready, which all the name looked like it was just red, um, but in the logo the e was red, so ready um, and it was this immersive survival horror type experience that had actors and a fairly large set, especially for you know New York City. and it looked like you were in like a like a rundown post-apocalyptic mall. It was really cool experience i loved it it was on our first new york tour we included it because we thought it was different and it was something we wanted escape room players to experience about half of the people on the tour loved it about half the people on the tour hated it uh but everyone was really happy that they for the most part was really happy that they played it even if they were like this is not for me i don't want to do anything like this but like glad i tried it and that ready got a lot of things right uh it was like a 90 minute experience and it was pretty open ended in terms of like what you could accomplish or what you didn't accomplish and a day after you played it you'd get an email with a very long prose of what the sto- what story unfolded after you played and there were like 18 different versions of this and it was a really cool idea the problem for me as is that I never felt the story that I got afterwards s- truly synced up with the experience that I had in the game, especially because like I played a couple of times and the actors were amazing, like truly amazing. They would they would improvise in whatever direction you went. So like the second time I played, Lisa and I decided that we were you know, we just made up that we were military officers in the organization that some of these characters were in. And we made up our own rank and we made up like, and they just went there with us. Uh, But there was a point where I got into a, I I got into a screaming match with one of these characters because I was just like, at this point, I want to see how far, like, how far can I push on this? It was, you know, it was incredibly intense. And like, I I think like both of both me and the performer had a really fun time um, antagonizing each other very much in character but like that was never reflected in the story that we had and so like you know we have these you know incredibly you know to kind of close the loop on all this incredibly impactful emotional moments that didn't get carried through in in the in the story and that in the end like cheapened I, I, I would actually, I would have been happier not getting the prose at the end than getting prose that didn't sync up,
3: didn't match or... up with your experience.
0: Exactly. I would. It would have been. I would have been happier if I had not read it.
3: David, complete it with me. They do that every time. They they give you a story of like there's the winning story, you know, and they write a whole thing. It's not that detailed, but it's yeah. it is a short summary and it is customized to like what it was about your team's actions that helped you guys win. i think it's fun if you guys haven't heard of it i i I haven't no so i talked about this in the last one too it's it's basically an immersive it's an immersive kind of theater game where basically you're chasing down these um fairy tale stories you're working for the princess you're you're put into three groups and you you fill out a whole personality quiz and everything you're either like a rabbit a raven or a fox and um, you work together with your groups, and there are different missions. So it's kind of like an RPG where, like, you'll go around and talk to these people. You collect items, and the way you collect items is, is by solving puzzles. You get a code. So now you have that item. If you have the code, you have the item, right? I love so then it. You can come yeah, across I have
2: read about it on one of the Facebook. Yeah. Posts. Yeah, I just looked it Just,
3: up you know, I, I won't go into it because we've talked about it before. You guys can look it up. But they, they do send um the, the there's a team that wins and they will send their they they are the ones who get the correct version of the story right you know so it's based on like what you guys decided to do during that session they're coming out with a season 2 and i think you can buy season tickets and i'm planning on getting it cuz I, I had a lot of fun in it um i think they are like every 2 weeks or something like that
1: uh so check it out that sounds <laughs> awesome
0: i will definitely have to play i was supposed to play in january uh, but i i was uh i was it wasn't COVID, but I was very not well through the month of January, much better now. Um, but i that was the only thing that I like outright canceled on. I was like, this is uh, just too much for me. Um, and it, because it was like a group experience, I was like, and, and I felt like I needed to like be on. I was like, I, I actually feel like it, like in an avatar game, like I could suffer quietly and like hang back and like, it wouldn't really matter if everyone else was doing most of the work but with this i just got this vibe that like i really need to be engaged and i didn't want to i want to jump in if i wasn't um but uh yeah so i I've, i'm sad that i didn't get a chance to play um but i hope that i can I hope i can do that this this coming season
3: yeah i'm a raven we're both oh, the you you're you were a fo- yeah put in a foxes right i was supposed to be a fox i'm a raven with lisa
0: <laughs> yeah yeah lisa played all right we should close this here Thank you so much and Chris could talk to you forever. We'll have to have you back sometime.
1: Absolutely. This is an absolute joy.
2: Yeah, this was this was a good uh, good way to spend a very very snowy day.
0: Oh, so happy to have you here. It's it's been a ton of fun. And uh, PG, see you next time.
3: Yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us on the post interview chat as well. This was so much thank fun having you. Thank you for having, you having
1: us. Oh, it was great. <laughs> All right.
0: And thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters. This is all all of this madness is only possible because of you folks enabling our insanity. And that does it for this bonus episode. Hope you enjoyed this. This was one of the many bonus episodes that we provide to our Patreon supporters. If you aren't one and you made it this far into this episode, you really should consider backing us on Patreon because I think you'll like what we're doing. So please do that. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. It'll help us continue to reinvest in what we're doing. And we have big plans for season three. Can't wait to see you there.